Welcome and thank you for joining us today on Friend of God, brought to you by Friendship Baptist Church in Sturges, Mississippi. It is our goal to take the Word of God to as many people as possible. We pray that you not only enjoy today's message, but more importantly, we hope and pray that it changes your heart and moves all of us to life change and action. God bless and enjoy. I don't know what it says when all the adults leave too, so uh, I thought it was children's, but, uh, but anyway, very thankful for Trevor and his timely messages, and he always has so much help and feedback, it's just, uh, it's just an unbelievable thing. Well, this morning we'll be in Hebrews chapter 2, but before we go there, I wanted to share a thank you from Steve Shepard and his family. They appreciate all the calls, the, the visits those who offered condolences as they've been going through the difficult days that they've been through and the loss of his mother. So their family wanted to tell you thank you and thank you for all that they that you have done. And that's from the Shepherd family. So this morning we're going to look at Jesus is greater. And this is part of a bigger series that's going on and it will be continuing to go on as we look at the greater narrative in the book of Hebrews on Jesus and what the difference is between him and all the things that the world was trying to equate as equal or the same or with the same strength or the power that Jesus had, they were trying to say others had. And for many of us, we hear a lot of things. We see and observe a lot of things. It's so important for us that we don't accept everything we hear. Amen. Sometimes we hear things that simply are untruths or a melting of other truths together. But in this passage in chapter two, it's very much an encouragement to us to to understand the words of angels and the words of the Lord are different. So let's look at verses one and two. It says this for this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and every disobedience received a just penalty. So in other words, pay a close attention to what you have learned and what you know about who Jesus Christ is. There's so many mixed messages that are going out that will infiltrate your life if you allow them to. You can read so many things on the Internet. You can read so many things in the media. You can have so many different people with different backgrounds and different understandings of certain things. But God's word says what it says and what it means to say for the audience that was gathered there together on that day. It was very much a you need to stay in this manner in order to follow Jesus the way that you ought to, because there were so many other conflicting ideas and directions in the church so it was you need to stay to what God has done through Jesus Christ and pay attention do not drift away from it and do not move from it see for us we cannot we cannot neglect such a great salvation that's been given to us if you are very much delighted happy and, and just joyous about the salvation that Christ has brought to your life. Will you let them know by saying amen this morning? Amen. amen. Because 
It's without that, set, that great salvation that you and I would not have that taste of what eternity is all about. That forgiveness, that eternal life, that promised life to come. So we cannot neglect our salvation and the word of the Lord. There was an illustration that, 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 that kind of pulled us in this direction. It says we cannot or we must not, or we must ask to be shaken. One day Theodore Roosevelt had been speaking sternly to his son and in desperation finally reached out to shake him. Whereupon Ethel, his sister, touched her father's arm and cried, shake me, father, shake me. See, the church that wants spiritual power must ask to be shaken. I feel like sometimes we get in a pattern, don't we? We get in a comfortability area. We get into our own little niche, our own little area, and we get and we get into this groove of things of how things are supposed to go. But what happens when things do not go our way? What happens when things don't go the way they ought to go? What happens when things turn out to be different than we thought? We must ask to be shaken. Hebrews 2 verses 3 says, How will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. God also testified with them by both signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. Y'all, we have a great salvation. We have a great story to tell. We have a great Savior who loved us enough to die for us. So we have what the world needs to know is greater than all that they are going to face. Greater than losing their jobs, greater than addictions, greater than anything else. And this morning, greater than angels, as we see in this passage. Greater than those. And so many of us know that the, about how the way the world is, don't we? The ways that the world is. There's so many conflicting things and so many conflicting truths and so many conflicting ideas that seem to change day by day. It seems to be a little ticker that comes across the TV that says, this is what we think about today or this is what we view today or this is what we believe today. But God's word is true. Absolutely true. It is not relative. It is not up to you. It is not up to me. It is all about where he is and what he has spoken. It says this in verses five through eight. It says, for he did not subject to angels the world to come concerning which we are speaking, but one who has testified saying, what is man that you remember him or the son of man that you are concerned about him? You have made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, and have appointed him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is subject to him. But now we do not yet see all the things subjected to him. We see the things of the world, and sometimes we forget the hands that made everything. We sometimes forget the one who orchestrated everything into motion. We sometimes forget all the things that are going on in this world. We live in a society to which so many people are simply not even worried about faith, much less faith in Jesus Christ. They're worried about their own selves, their own feelings, their own way of doing things. Someone that comes along, that convicts them, that challenges them, that, that has something drastically different, which is Jesus, is drastically different than their narrative. They automatically throw up the walls that are there. And maybe that's you this morning. 
See, Jesus was humbled. But this should lend us more devotion by us because he did all of that for us. Do we know that Jesus paid a great price for us? He was humbled, meaning that he chose to be lowly in that estate to die for our sins, that we might be lifted and brought back into that right relationship with God Almighty, but only through Jesus Christ. And I know we live in this pluralistic world where everybody says you can go so many different ways. But I'm telling you, the Bible contrasts that and says there is but one way. And that is through Jesus Christ. It doesn't say that you believe in angels. You can believe in so many other different ways. It says Jesus was that way. And I'm always conflicted at this because there's so many people that say, well, there's there's so many different ways you can go about this. And I said, well, if that were the, the case, then why was... Jesus to come. You know, if, if, if there's more than one way, then why did Jesus come down that mountain? If we're all prescribed to believe or not believe, then why would have Jesus come? Why did he come in such a way as he did with no pomp and circumstance? Why did he come the way he did? Why did he die the way he did? He died to make us free. And so there's a grave difference between the people in this world, the humility of Christ and just what he has done for us. Verse 9 says this, but we do see, do see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned glory and honor, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. I want us to go in our Bibles, underline, it's okay to write in your Bibles, it's okay to take, take stock of that. But it says, by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. That meant that for that time, he was lower so that he might take what was just and due to us, right? Because of his grace, he took and tasted death for you and I. Jesus, who knew no sin, took our sin and took it and drank deep so that we might taste the freedom that only he can bring. Verse 10 says, for it was fitting for him for whom all the thing are all things and through all whom all are, are all things in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings for he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one father for which reason. He is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will proclaim your name to, to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I am the children whom God has given me. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might free those who, through fear of death, who were subject to slavery all their lives. For he assuredly does not give help to the angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. Could it be that God cared about us so much that Jesus came to die for us, for me and for you, to release us from the bonds, the chains of sin, that we might understand and taste freedom in our lives where we've been held down for so long. 
And see, the burden of sin in our lives is something that we can't do anything about. It's something that he has done and paid the price for us. And, and, he, and he wants us to do this. He wants us to come to him. He wants to us to ask for forgiveness. Sure, he knows our sin, but he wants us to turn our sin over to him. And we know that he saves us. He is greater than even the angels here. And here's what I'm reminded of in this passage. I'm reminded of this, that Jesus knew what it was like to be us. Jesus understood what it was like to hunger and thirst. He understood what it was like to not have a home. He understood what it was like to be a wanderer. He understood what it was like to call 12 men to follow him, even though he knew one would betray him. He knew what it was like to dine with sinners and saints. He knew, knew what it was like to come against conflict. He knew what it was like to be tired. And he knew what it was like to be angry. He knew what it was like to have all these human emotions. He felt everything. Yet he was divine. He chose to feel what we feel and go through what we go through. Even the loss of a loved one. Even the loss of a friend. Even a loss. He understood all of that. So for us, because we know that, it means that you and I can trust Him. Absolutely. We can trust Him because He's been through what we've been through. He's been through the lowest of days and the highest of highs. He's been through the temptations. He's been through the difficulties that we've been through. And yet, He chose to go to the Father as an answer. And that gives us the ability to know that we are going to be okay. You know, I look at it like this. You've heard of the song, Trust and Obey. I like this small boy's version of this hymn, Trust and Obey. When he said that at Sunday school, they had been singing, Trust and Okay. He said, good, everything must be okay if the life being committed to his precious keeping, there is no other way. When God is with us, it's going to be okay. You've heard folks say that time and again in your life. It's going to be okay. It might not be easy. It might not always be good, but it's going to be okay. God's in control and he's going to take care of us. And he knows what it's like to be us and we can trust him. Verse 17 says, therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted and that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. When you and I call on him, he is there. When you and I need Him the very most, He is there. He never ever leaves us nor forsakes us. I think there are times that our troubles and our difficulties and our anxieties take our gaze away from where they ought to be and they're focused on the measures in our lives when they ought to be focused on the salvation that is to come. The, the Creator God sought fit to send Jesus for us. And so many of us need to keep our gaze and our eye on Him in order to go the direction He calls us to do. So what have you and I heard that sounds true so we accept it without putting much thought into it? 
here are some sayings that sound a lot like they could be of God's Word, but they are not. So I'm going to go ahead and say that out to the beginning. So if you start writing these down and say, the preacher said it, that's it. That's all this to it right there. Uh, we've heard these. It's my cross to bear. Anybody ever heard that? It's my cross to bear. Well, here's where Scripture says differently. Galatians 2.20 says this. It says, I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life in which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave Himself up for me. See, the Word of God speaks differently when we go and look at these cultural sayings that, that, that make us feel good in the moment, right? But they are not of biblical truth. I love this other one. God will never give you more than you can handle. Anybody know that to be false? Oh, some of you are raising your hand just because I did. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But there's also a verse that says that He will give us the ability to escape, right? Sometimes we go through various trials in our faith that help us grow into where God wants us to get. Otherwise, we would not go there. So He is with us and goes with us. There's some other ones. Heaven just gained another angel. Anybody ever heard that Bible verse? Anybody? We're talking about that today. Uh, cleanliness is next to godliness. Anybody ever heard of that one? Some of y'all who are teenagers need to be raising your hand right now. Right. All right, so God, God helps those who helps themselves. Anybody ever heard that one? You've heard that one before. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Who makes our path straight? That's the Lord. God will do that. <laughs> it's not up to us. God works in mysterious ways. You ever heard that one? God works in mysterious ways. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways... Your ways, declares the Lord, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God does these things. Secondly, we must place a high value on the Bible, the God who saves and the Holy Spirit who saved us. What's most important in our lives every day? It's spending time in the Word of God. It's spending copious amounts of time in prayer. It's spending enough time in our lives with God so that God can have the majority of who we are so that He can do what He needs to do in our lives. See, for us, we do not need to quench the Spirit in our own lives, right? But we also don't need that to happen in the lives of those around us, right? So when God fills us up, what happens? Anybody ever feel a picture just too much full of liquid what happens does it just stay there and continue to do it well if you're a magician maybe but most oftentimes it just spills over right it continues to pour and the more that you pour the more that you pour it's going to continue to go right you would say well i need to stop right well in the chance of water or some liquid yes but in the chances as you're looking at god's word we keep allowing for god to pour forth in our lives 
and it reaches the lives of those around us. It not only pours out to every facet and corner of our lives, but it also helps reach out to the world at large that needs to know Jesus Christ. So we are not to quench the spirit in our lives, nor are we to quench the spirit in others' lives. We must look at God's word and the one who saved us and the power of the Holy Spirit. The third thing that comes from this passage in Hebrews today is this. Why do we not seek humility when it means that Jesus would work in other people's lives? Why do you and I not seek humility? If we could be humbled and we are humble, then could not God use us for greater things? Sometimes we get in our own way, don't we? We get our mind made up or we get our our heads stuck on something when God is trying to do something significant in our lives. The word says we ought to place others needs greater than our own. See, for us, every step that we take ought to be a measure of intentionality directed by the Holy Spirit with a heart for those around us. Philippians 2 says this in verse 3 and 4. It says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. So seeking humility and allowing for God to work in our lives and those around us is paramount here. But we ought to, fourthly, be brought to a posture of praise and gratefulness throughout our daily lives. How many of us remember the image? And in my head, when I think of that measure of praise or that posture of praise and gratefulness, I think about prostrate people laid out before the Lord laid all the way to the ground nothing in between them right they are there just worshiping God with everything right they are holding nothing back they are laying it all down before him in prayer there was a story of a five-year-old little girl that had been attending church kindergarten each day before the children were dismissed the teacher had them sing the doxology which the five-year-old loved to sing, but in her words, she said this, Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures, here we go. There should be a posture of prayer and praise behind what we do. And if God knows how we feel, then why are we not concerned with others' needs? I think we live in a society to which it talks about us and our own needs, right? You and I taking care of our own selves, our own families, our own immediate needs, instead of looking around and reaching out and going to the least of these. I think Jesus was very good about that. He would say, you know what, I see what everybody else is doing, but I'm going to do something different. I'm going to do what no one else will. I'm going to go to the people that need me the most because it's it's not those that are well that need me. It's not those that, that already have me in their lives that need me. It's all of these over here that feel like they're not good enough. All these over here that are neck deep in sin. It's all these over here that feel like they have no chance or no choice. I'm going to go to them and I'm going to sit with them. and We're going to talk about this. We should be concerned with others' needs. Looking outwardly to others. I did an exercise one time where I invited some congregants to come up to the front and they had no idea what I had chosen them for and I asked them I said I want you to circle up 
And you, you can imagine what happened. They all joined hands and they were looking inwardly, right? I said, but God's word changes that, right? I said, I want you to join hands and I want you to look outwardly. I said, that's the different posture that we ought to have. We ought to be concerned with others' needs. See, sympathy is defined in this way. It's just two hearts tugging on one load. True sympathy is usually born in sorrow, said Henry Giles. The capacity of sorrow belongs to our grandeur and the loftiest of our race are those who have had the proud, uh, profoundest sympathies because they have had the profoundest sorrows. The world hungers for compassion or sympathy. Often we can do nothing but sympathize, suffer with the distressed, but oh, how it helps. Let's pray, y'all. Father God, I just come this morning, Father God. I just, I come and, and I just am humbled by the fact that you loved us enough to come for us in our deepest days of sin. Father God, there's so many in this world that would say so many things are equal in value to you. But Father God, you surpass them all. Father God, you sent Jesus at a time when we all needed it the very most. And for that, that makes the greatest of difference in our lives and those around us. Father God, your word is a way that we might find truth. And Father God, nothing compares with you. Father God, there's so many of us that are so wrapped up in our sin and our addiction and our difficulties and our stresses and our temptations and so many things, God. But we know that you provided a way. You've paid a price. You've been the propitiation, the payment for our sins. Long before we were ever around, we were on your mind. So God, I just thank you for loving us. I thank you for dying for us. I thank you for knowing what it's like to be us, yet pointing us to the greater truth of Scripture. Heavenly Father, you have given us the Holy Spirit. And you are a God who can save anyone, anywhere, anytime. So God, I pray unto today, God, if we need that in our lives, God, that we, that we come to you. All that we are, everything that we've done, and ask for forgiveness. And Father, you are willing to forgive even the gravest of sinners. Father God, I just thank you that you provide us with so many measures that remind us that you are greater, you are mightier, and you are stronger than anything we face. So God, greater still is Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, thank you for these reminders. Thank you for these challenges. Thank you for the difficulties of walking through these scriptures over the last week. And God, finding that you have walked right alongside of me. Father, it's in your mighty name we do pray. Amen. Thank you for joining the Friendship Family today. Your time is your most valuable commodity, and we are enormously grateful that you chose to share some of it with us. If you would like to know more about Friendship Baptist Church, please visit our website, friendshipsturges.com, or our Facebook page. Both links can be found in the show notes below. Although we would greatly appreciate you leaving this podcast a rating or review, we would be eternally grateful if you would be willing to share it with someone else. We pray you have a God-filled day, and please remember, love God, love people, and reach the world.